Hi, and welcome to Inglewood Presbyterian Church in Kirkland, Washington. We are a church for the neighborhood, whether you're a local neighbor or from far away, all are welcome here. We are pleased to present to you our weekly Sunday sermons. Our head pastor is James Cuman, and you can find more information about us on our website at inglewoodpc.org. Today's reading comes from Exodus chapter 32, verses 31 through 34, and Exodus 33. So Moses returned to the Lord and said, Alas, this people has sinned a great sin. They have made for themselves gods of gold. But now, if you will forgive their sin, but if not, please blot me out of your book that you have written. But the Lord said to Moses, Whoever has sinned against me, I will blot out of my book. But now go. Lead the people to the place about which I have spoken to you. Behold, my angels shall go before you. Nevertheless, in the day when I visit, I will visit their sin upon them. Exodus 33, verses 12 through 20. Moses said to the Lord, You have been telling me, lead these people, but you have not let me know whom you will send with me. You have said, I know you by name, and you have found favor with me. If you are pleased with me, teach me your ways so that I may know you and continue to find favor with you. Remember that this nation is your people. The Lord replied, my presence will go with you and I will give you rest. Then Moses said to him, if your presence does not go with us, do not send us up from here. How will anyone know that you are pleased with me and with your people unless you go with us? What else will distinguish me and your people from all the other people on the face of the earth? And the Lord said to Moses, I will do the very thing you have asked because I am pleased with you and I know you by name. Then Moses said, now show me your glory. And the Lord said, I will cause all my goodness to pass in front of you, and I will proclaim my name, the Lord, in your presence. I will have mercy on whom I will have mercy, and I will have compassion on whom I will have compassion. But, he said, you cannot see my face, for no one may see me and live. Requests have the power to move us. Whether it's from a friend or a perfect stranger, there's something in us that wants to respond or wants to reject, but either way, we react. In fact, as Dallas Willard points out, even a begging dog confronts us with a fundamental force of the universe. Good boy. In his book, The Divine Conspiracy, Willard puts it this way. Asking is indeed the great law of the spiritual world in which things are accomplished in cooperation with God and yet in harmony with the freedom and worth of each individual. 
One of my favorite stories from among the many that Jesus tells is one where he speaks of a widow, an elderly woman who's been wronged in some way that's left undefined in the story. And her only hope of recourse, her only hope of things going well for her is somehow to win the ear of an utterly corrupt judge. Jesus tells the story. This woman comes into court, and of course she's poor and she can't afford a bribe, and so gets dismissed. But she comes again the next day and gets dismissed, and you get the impression that she keeps on coming for quite a long time. She makes herself utterly annoying until finally this unjust judge, this corrupt justice of the peace, finally says to himself, look, I don't care anything about people and I don't care anything about the rule of law, but because this woman is just wearing me down, I just gonna give her what she wants. To which Jesus adds the, the moral of the story, look, if even an utterly corrupt judge will finally do the right thing if you just bother him enough, how much more will God who loves you give to his own chosen family what they need if they ask him? So don't lose heart. Keep asking. Have faith. Trust God. He's listening when we pray. Last week, if you were with us, you joined us on a journey visibly up Denny Creek from where it empties out into Lake Washington, upstream into the forest here on Finn Hill. At the same time, we worked our way upstream from the, the visible dramatic parts of the story of the golden calf, the, the golden calf itself, Moses smashing the Ten Commandments. In fact, before Moses actually sees for himself, he knows exactly what's happening down the mountain among the people. And already before he sees for himself, Moses' role has shifted. If you go back and read for yourself Exodus 32, see how already as soon as God tells Moses what's happening down in the camp, his role begins to shift. He's not primarily at this point bringing God's word down to the people, the role he's played pretty much all through Exodus up to this point. Now his role shifts, as it has a couple other times, where he brings the need of the people before God and begins to mediate for the people, to plead for the people, to request of God his rescue for his people. And in this priestly role, this role of interceding for the people, Moses pleads with God not to turn from his people. Yes, they've turned away from you, but you, oh God, please do not turn away from them. To use one of many potential metaphors, don't cut them from the team. Let's work with them, let's train them, let's stay with them, encourage them, or to use actually a more apropos and direct analogy, oh God, don't disinherit them. These are your kids. These are your people. Don't abandon them. Or in reference to last week, as we saw what idolatry really is, maybe the most appropriate metaphor for what Moses pleads with God is don't divorce them. Yes, they've been unfaithful. Yes, they've turned away from their commitment. Yes, they've completely cheated on you the first chance they got. 
But oh God, stay with them. Stay committed to them, even though they're having a hard time staying committed to you. And very much like the widow that Jesus praises so highly in his parable in Luke, Moses stays with God until he gets what has been promised, until he receives God's commitment, reaffirmed that he will stay with his people and he will not leave them alone. And friends, hear this good news. God's commitment to us, even when we abandon him, is the foundation, the bedrock of our safety and security, our rest. Knowing that even when we leave him, he holds on to us. But this is also not just a foundation of security for us in our own lives, us as families, even us as a congregation. This is also the foundation of our ability to pray for others, to plead for others the way we see Moses plead for these people. So friends, be encouraged. There is no one who's beyond God's mercy. And one of the privileges of those of us who've come to know Jesus or are being drawn in and we're about to meet him is we have this privilege of bringing others to him as well. But the way we begin to pray is not with technique. It's not by drumming up courage. It's not by learning certain tactics, certain approaches. We begin to pray by looking to God himself and his character. Most of all, knowing that Jesus himself now prays for us. Moses was an imperfect mediator. Moses had his own issues. Jesus right now Jesus, the united person of both divinity and humanity, Jesus is our man in heaven right now in front of the throne of God the Father praying for us. And when we begin to pray and we don't know what to pray, God the Holy Spirit prays with us, prays for us. The Apostle Paul tells us with groans too deep for words, joining his prayer with ours as we begin to learn. God in his mercy is not just waiting for our prayers. God the Son is praying for us. God the Spirit's praying with us. And I don't know about you, but that's great news for me. That said, as we walk through life, there are some techniques, some approaches that are helpful to us. First and foremost, the Lord's Prayer. If you haven't memorized it already, just find it. Search it on the internet, find a copy, begin to use it as your own prayer. Phrase by phrase, begin to soak in what it means to say, Our Father. Well, I'm, I'm part of a new family. I'm, I've been adopted in. I've been chosen. I, and like a kid who's been adopted, I've, it's just... My, my good Father coming to take me in. Jesus has come and found me. I'm adopted in. And then begin to just thank 
God and let your heart be moved by that truth. And that it's your Father in heaven that we're honoring his name. And again, phrase by phrase, I have it on good authority from people way older than me, both folks who are still alive and saints of the church through the ages, that throughout our life, however long we live, we never exhaust continuing to learn from this prayer that Jesus taught us what it's like to just talk and plead with this God who loves us and just gives us and gives and gives and commits and stays. Another huge help for us as we learn to pray, and again, we should be continuing to learn our whole life long. God is infinite and we will always be learning. Now, because God is infinite and God has placed us into this wider family, one of the greatly helpful things in learning to pray is to pray with others. Now, that can be others right with us. Um, get a friend, meet socially distanced for coffee, on a back deck, in a front yard, wherever, and pray together. Another option is on Fridays, we get together on Zoom and pray scripture together, learning to pray through the words that others have prayed over the millennia. Which brings up another way to pray with others, to learn both from the prayers of, that are recorded for us in scripture, but also from the prayers that have been used by the church through the centuries, which we often use as Inglewood Church, actually, in our, our worship together. And also to learn from the prayers of others as they write their experiences in blogs and speak of them in podcasts or write about them in books. There are others who are not physically with us, but we can still learn from them the work of God in their lives that we can then take on and take in and come back to God and pray. Toward that end, we have a prayer page on our website, inglewoodpc.org backslash prayer. And you can find some of those resources, some of those ways to pray with others, again, either live in person or from their experience in times past. But most of all, friends, praying is about looking to God. And we do not see God's character ever more clearly than we do in Jesus. So if you struggle with prayer, on one level, be okay with that. But may I suggest opening up one of the Gospels? Mark or Luke or John are often the easiest to get into. Matthew is a little more um, tied in with the Hebrew Scripture, and so if that's less familiar to you, Matthew will be often a little bit more of a slog. But open up one of the Gospels. Again, Matthew, Luke, or John. And just ask God, open my eyes, let me see Jesus. Let me see who you are, God. And read and take in and let your heart be drawn into conversation with him. And at the end of the day, let's just give thanks to God that our life with him does not depend on us. It's him. It's his faithfulness, his goodness, his mercy, as he brings us 
into prayer because we don't have a formula. We have a person who made us and has redeemed us and will renew us and bring us to be with him in glory forever. Amen.